Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. What is happening, everybody? Greg Ehrenberg here from Stochastic.com. It's Friday afternoon. We had weigh-ins a little while ago. Everybody made weight and about to break down the UFC card this weekend. Main event, Sergey Spivak taking on Cyril Gone. As you guys come in, do me a big favor. Like this video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're sponsored by DraftKings Rainmakers, so we're going to break down all the fights. Talking about them from a classic contest perspective over at DraftKings. Talking about the Rainmakers contest. And also mixing some bets that I like for this slate as well. Uh, apologies. That I didn't put out a video last week. I had just been getting back from vacation and I was planning on doing the video, but I just ended up having a lot of stuff to get caught up on and doing some planning for the football season. So just kind of ran out of time, only so many hours in the day. And unfortunately wasn't able to do it, but this week we're back and back on the normal schedule doing this every Friday. So uh, let's get to it guys. Starting with the main event, Cyril gone taking on Sergey uh, Sergey Spivak and it's a fight where if you look at the last couple of losses that Cyril Gaon has had, they've kind of come in similar fashion. And Sergey Spivak could implement the same game plan that we saw Cyril Gaon lose in fights against Francis Ngannou and also lost against John Jones. Now, if this fight happens to take place on the feet and Sergey Spivak isn't able to get takedowns, this is Cyril Gaon all day. But in general, in wrestler versus grappler matchups, I do think there's less variance on the grappler side. So... Plus money on Sergey Spivak. I'm betting him the current best available line is plus 160 on DraftKings. And I love him as a value play for DraftKings purposes as well. For Rainmakers, he's extremely cheap relative to Cyril Gaon. Actually, Spivak is one of the cheapest fighters to purchase cards of on all the secondary market right now. So picking Spivak to win, he's been my preferred side in tournaments as well. Like I said, there's a clear path to victory for Cyril Gaon. If this fight plays out on the feet, he's going to just destroy Sergey Spivak. He's way more athletic, much better striker, way longer as well. But talking about the last couple of losses, the only two losses we've seen from Cyril Gaon in the UFC, he fights France Ngannou on one leg. Ngannou had a torn ACL, was barely able to move. He still goes four or five on takedown attempts against Cyril Gaon. And once Gaon was on his back, he wasn't really able to do anything against Francis Ngannou. The other fight that he lost was against John Jones and... Listen, you lose to the GOAT, it happens, and it was more the way that Cyril Gaon lost, though, which was John Jones didn't even really have to set up his initial takedown. He was just kind of able to march across the octagon and tackle Cyril Gaon and drag him to the mat, and then Cyril Gaon gets stuck up against the cage and ends up getting submitted there, and Sergey Spivak is clearly not the wrestling grappler that John Jones is, but he's a better wrestling grappler than Francis Ngannou is, and Ngannou really had his way with Cyril Gaon in that department, so... I'm going to pick 
Spivak to win, and I'm going to pick him to win by submission as well. One other thing here that kind of adds like a weird wrinkle of variance is if Sergey Spivak is able to land takedowns early against Sirogan but isn't able to finish him, could he potentially gas out in the second or third round or something like that? It remains to be seen. But uh, overall, I think there's a lot of questions on both sides of this fight. So give me the underdog in Sergey Spivak, especially when you look at our, the, the current ownership projections we have over at stochastic.com for this fight. Cyril Gon is projected for 41% ownership. Sergey Spivak coming in just under 30% projected ownership. So I like the ownership angle on Spivak as well. I'm going to be playing both sides of this fight in all of my lineups, both for Rainmakers and Classic Contest, but probably something like 65% Spivak to 35% Cyril Gon. Next fight here is Menon Firo against Rose Nami Yunus and this is not a fight that I have a mass amount of interest in for DFS purposes. I do just happen to have a bunch of Rose Namajunas cards because she was included in the Heat Wave set when the cards initially came out last year. I got some of her in packs. I got a legendary Rose Namajunas Heat Wave card there, which I've just had the entire year. And, you know, if you have the cards, you might as well play them. But not really a fight that I love for DFS purposes. We got Rose Namajunas moving up in weight class to take on Furo. But with that said, I don't really think she's going to be massively undersized on the scales. Tidinami Yunus did look a little bit more filled out at 125 as opposed to 115. And also, both of them have 65-inch reaches. Slightly taller on the Ferro side by 2 inches, but nothing really too crazy. So I do think that the size difference, which I've seen talked about online a little bit, a little bit overblown. I don't think it's going to play a massive factor here. One other thing of note is that Ferro is kind of viewed as the prospect in this fight. But it's actually Rose Namajunas, who's two years younger of the two. Now, in terms of a pick for this fight, I'm going to lean towards Ferro, but it's a very close fight. Like, I don't want to bet Rose at underdog odds here because she came off such, she's coming off such a terrible performance against Carla Esparza, where nothing happened on either side of the fight. Rose Namajunas is defending her belt. She lands 37 significant strikes. Carla Esparza landed 30. It was a split decision. Like, how the hell did anybody score any round in that fight? Everything was a coin flip where nothing ended up happening. If that version of Rose shows up against Menon Ferro, she's going to get decision lost. But there is a scenario here where Rose Namajunas could maybe get a wrestling and grappling going because where I do view her having the biggest advantage in this fight is if she's able to hold top position. I do think she's live for a submission against Ferro. So Picking, I'm going to pick Ferro to win by decision. If I had to play one side in DFS, I would lean towards Nami Yunus just for the price point and the fact that she's not projected for all that much ownership. But by and large part, this is not a fight that I'm all that interested in. Here's another fight that's kind of hard to know what to make of because of a class in styles. Tiago Moises against Benoit Saint-Denis. And basically every single Benoit Saint-Denis fight is a barn burner. And almost every single Tiago Moises fight kind of sucks with not that much happening. And you could also see that kind of bear out in the stats here because Tiago Moises only lands 2.47 significant strikes per minute. Very low compared to 4.11 significant strikes landed per minute on the St. Denis side, but also absorbs 6.14 because he had that fight against Elizu Dolesky Dos Santos where he just got lit on fire. And what were the final stats in that fight? St. Denis. Yeah, he gets outstruck 149 to 67 in his debut, uh, a fight that had no, no business at all going to decision. But uh, the referee in that fight had uh, no clue what it was that he was doing. And then also the ref in that fight, he got pulled from the card right after that bout. Dana stepped in and said, this guy not allowed to do any more fights tonight. So uh, that one fight does skew some of the numbers for Benoit St. Denis. 
after that, he's looked pretty good, especially in his last couple of performances. Beat the crap out of Gabriel Miranda, gets a second round finish, had three knockdowns in that fight, and it looked great against Ishmael Bonfim in his last fight, where that took primarily on that took place primarily on the ground. As far as this matchup goes, on the feet, I have to favor Benoit Saint Denis, even though I think Moises is the cleaner striker of the two. There's just so much more output on the Benoit Saint-Denis side, and that just matters at a certain point. If you're a better striker than somebody, but you don't throw any strikes, it's kind of hard to win on the feet. As far as grappling goes, I think Moises is a better grappler as well, but he doesn't really wrestle all that often. So it's kind of a weird fight where I think Moises is the overall better fighter, but Saint-Denis is so much more aggressive that I do favor him to win the fight. The question just becomes now, does this fight end up finishing inside the distance which I'm going to say I think it's a little more likely to go to the judges' scorecards. It is currently about 50-50 on the betting odds, looking at nearly a pick for this fight to finish inside the distance or not. And I do think there's a chance that St. Denis ends up being very popular. We even project for 38% ownership in our ownership projections over at stochastic.com. And by the way, if you guys want to sign up for a package, you use the link below, 50% off for our MMA package when you sign up for the first time. I'll pick St. Denis to win based on just the output, but a fight that I'm going to be underweight to the field to for tournament purposes, especially when St. Denis projected for nearly 40% ownership. Here's a fight that I love. Volkan Uzdemir against Bogdan Guskov. Now, if you guys look at a picture of Guskov, I did a, a live show the other day where I was breaking down the slate from just a Rainmaker's perspective and uh, pulled up Bogdan Guskov's headshot, and he looks a lot like Anthony Smith, but like a more juiced-up version of Anthony Smith. Like Anthony Smith on steroids, that would be Bogdan Guskov. As far as how I think this fight is going to play out, Uzdemir's big power, there was a point in time where he was knocking out guys left and right when he first came into the UFC. His first run, he ended up uh, wins a split decision against Ovin St. Prue, but then KOs Misha Serkinov in 28 seconds. KOs Jimmy Manoa in 42 seconds. That was enough to get him a title shot against Daniel Cormier, where he ended up losing. Fight against Anthony Smith, he looked good early, but then ultimately ended up fading, gets finished in the third round. Suzumir doesn't have the best cardio in the world, but here's the good news here. I don't think this fight is going very long. I think these guys are going to stand and trade on the feet in the first round. I think it's probably close to a 50-50. Either guy is live to win. Past the first round, even though Uzdemir doesn't have the best cardio, I suspect that Guskov's is significantly worse. I think that if this fight gets out of the first round, Uzdemir probably finishes him in the second or third round. And uh, with that in mind, I'm going to lean towards Uzdemir. This is a fight that you really want to be targeting for DFS purposes. Love it for Rainmakers as well. Uzdemir cards were way too cheap earlier in the week. Still also a little bit too cheap on the market when you consider this fight. Minus 145 to minus 170, depending on what book you look at, to end inside one and a half rounds. So whoever wins this fight, I expect to put up a big score and should be in the optimal lineup. I'm picking Uzdemir to win by second round KO. Next fight here, William Gomes against Yanis Gamori. And there was a lot of late changes to this card. where We had fighters that got pulled out. And then as a result, we saw a new fighter step in. We saw fighters that were already on the card get matched up against other fighters that were already on the card. Whole thing was a mess. and. William Gomes is somebody who is now a fairly decently sized favorite against Gamori because of the fact that Gamori is now taking a, a shorter notice fight here against William Gomes. But Gomes doesn't do anything, which makes it really hard for me to like him for DFS purposes. He's got two wins in the UFC, two fights. He's won both of them. Against Jarno Aarons, he lands 32 significant strikes in a decision win. 
against Francis Marshall. He lands 27 significant strikes in a split decision win. So all in all, this guy has fought two fights in the UFC. He's won both of them. And across six rounds, he's landed 59 significant strikes. And this is a striking-based fighter. I know he landed three takedowns against John O'Aaron's, but by and large part, I do expect Gomez to be a fighter who's going to keep fights on the feet. And he just doesn't throw anything. But at the same time, too, look at his stats. Dude doesn't get hit at all. Only lands 1.97 significant strikes per minute, but only absorbs 1.17 as 81% striking defense. He's really hard to hit, but he doesn't do a lot either. So this is a fight that I'm not going to have very much interest in. Picking Gomez to win by decision, but uh, not one that I'm really looking to target for DFS. Next fight, Morgan Cherrier against Manolo Zaccini. And we right now have Cherrier, massive favorite. He's anywhere from like minus 340 to as high as minus 400, depending what book you're looking at for this line. Something else also, Cherrier, this guy is a finisher. And for that reason, if you look at the current odds, this fight is nearly minus 200 to finish inside the distance. And all the finishing equity is on the Cherrier side. And he looks to be fairly well-rounded too. He could wrestle a little bit. He could strike. He could grapple. He's got a lot of power as well. So uh, I do expect Cherrier to finish this fight. And uh, one of my favorite payoff options that we have for the entire slate, $9,100. He's going to be popular. Only two fighters that are expected to be north of 40% owned in our ownership projections. One of them is Cyril Gone. The other one is Cherrier. And uh, I do like the Cherrier side a good amount here. He's somebody who I'm going to be targeting quite a bit as a payup option. If you have cards and Rainmakers, he's a no-brainer play in that format as well, especially when we don't have to consider about the pricing. Next fight here, Taylor Lapalus against uh, Kowlin Lafrin. And this is another fight that I don't really love for DFS purposes. If you guys watch Lafrin fight, he is somebody who has wrestling grappling ability, he has some power in his striking as well, but does not throw at the highest output. And then if you look at somebody like Taylor Lapolis, who's been in the UFC at one point, was in the UFC many years ago, had four fights, went three and one prior to getting cut. He was pretty successful, like we mentioned, three and one, but not a lot of volume. 3.77 significant strikes landed per minute, didn't get hit very frequently, and also didn't really look to wrestle or grapple. 81% takedown defense, that's a really nice stat for him, but only lands 0.58 takedowns per 15 minutes. So I think this is a really close fight. It's also lined to be really close, but I do not expect the winner of this fight to score particularly well. So another one that I don't have a massive amount of interest in. Moving down, we have a few fights left to talk about, four of them, and the next one, Ange Lusa against Reese McKee. And I do like this fight. I think this is a sneaky one to target. We've got Ange Lusa projected for 33% ownership. Reese McKee on the other side only projected for 21.8% ownership. I think this is a good fight to target, and uh, Reese McKee, definitely a live underdog in this spot. No matter who wins, should be a good score. We talked about some of these fights that I just broke down where there was not a lot of striking output on either sides historically for those fighters. However, in this fight, Lusa lands 6.24 significant strikes per minute, Reese McKee lands 6.83, and no striking defense on either side. Both these guys are punching bags on the feet. Reese McKee, 43% striking defense. Angelusa, 45% striking defense. Because we have seen Angelusa show a lot of durability in the UFC, and Reese McKee at times has looked chinny. We've seen him get hurt in the UFC. I know that he went the distance against Alex Morono, a fight that was a, really a war on the feet, but he has been hurt and finished at times outside of the UFC, and still Morono did hurt him a couple times in that fight. I'm going to lean towards Lusa. 
due to the durability. But uh, Reese McKee, I like the price tag on him. He's a live underdog. Going to be playing both sides of this fight. Really good one to target because uh, even a decision win, I think there's going to be a lot of output on the feet and potential for a pretty decent score. And nobody's all that expensive either. Angelusa, $8,800. Not like he's over 9 k or anything like that. I mentioned Reese McKee, only 7400 projected for low 20% ownership. Moving down here, we have a fight between Nora Cornelli and Jocelyn Edwards. And Jocelyn Edwards' fights suck. On the feet, it appears she has decent output because she lands 5.3 significant strikes per minute. But she's almost primarily targeting the legs, and they're not very damaging strikes. But just the way that we sometimes see the scoring done on DraftKings... There are times where you can see like the fight against Ramona Pasquale. Jocelyn Edwards didn't land all that much of significance in that fight, but she ends up landing 164 significant strikes by the metrics because of the fact that she just throws out a ton of leg kicks that are not particularly damaging, just kind of touching her opponent, but they can be enough to score fairly well at times. Same thing, the fight against Yijian Kim. She's credited with 101 significant strikes. So if Cornelli's not able to land takedowns in this spot, I do think Edwards should have a striking advantage because what I've seen of the regional fights for Cornelli, she's very, very slow. She's big. She appears to be very strong for the weight class. And Jocelyn Edwards is zero takedown defense. So there's potential here for Cornell to land takedowns, maybe hold top control. Because when we've seen that happen in the past to Jocelyn Edwards, she just hasn't been able to get up. But I'm going to pick Edwards to win. I have minimal interest in this fight for DraftKings purposes, a little more than some of the other low volume sort of fights, just because Jocelyn Edwards, like we said, lands over five significant strikes per minute. And we have seen her with some sort of ceiling landing as many as 164 in a fight. And I do think she's going to have a significant speed advantage if this fight plays out on the feet. couple more fights. Next one, Farid Basharat against Kletzen Rodriguez. And I'm pretty concerned about the size difference here on the Rodriguez side, which is why I already think that Basharat is the better, more well-rounded fighter, better prospect of the two as well, even though he is a couple years, uh, sorry, a couple years younger, Fareed Basharat. Both of them fairly young though, but still, when it comes to Basharat, Kletzen Rodriguez has missed two, has missed weight a couple of times over the course of his UFC career. So UFC has him move up in weight. Bashrat is going to be three inches taller with a four-inch reach advantage in this spot as well. So we talked about Rose Namajunas, her moving up in weight. It was the same reach between her and Firo, as well as Firo holding, you know, a slight height advantage. But in this, it's not only that Bashrat is going to be three inches taller, it's also the four-inch reach advantage, which I do think could play a role here. Both these guys strike at a pretty high output on the feet, both landing around six significant strikes per minute. And if somebody's wrestling and landing takedowns, I think it's going to be the Bashrat side. He lands three takedowns per 15 minutes compared to just one for Kletzen Rodriguez. Also 83% takedown defense for Basharat compared to 66% for Rodriguez. The line's really wide, and I do think you can make a case maybe the line is wider than what it should be. But I still do think that for sure Basharat is a, uh, a worthy favorite in this spot. And also somebody who's not crazy, crazy popular. We right now have Basharat projected for 34% ownership. And Rodriguez is projected to be one of the most popular dogs on the entire slate, projected for 31% ownership. So I'm going to be underweight to the field on Rodriguez. And I do like paying up for Basharat and uh, Rodriguez. Yeah, I hope he doesn't go out and win because about a third of the field appears to be playing him as an underdog for this weekend. Final fight, Zara Fairn against Jacqueline Cavalcanti. And uh, Zara Fairn has now fought 
three times in the UFC, and she has lost all three of them. Her fight against Josiane Nunez, she won the first round, but then kind of faded in the second and third rounds and also got hit very hard numerous times by Nunez. She held a crazy... What was the height difference in this fight? It was... All right, so Zara Fairn is five foot eight, and Josiane Nunez is... She can't be taller than like five foot two. Yeah, five foot two. So there was a half a foot height advantage for Zara Fair in that fight. And there was something that proved to be an issue for Josie and Nunez because she constantly had to uh, reach up to hit Farron in that matchup. This is going to be a little bit different here. Cavalcanti is also big for the weight class, five foot eight. This actually is a catch weight. They're fighting at 140 pounds, even though that's the case. Sarah Farron still missed weight on her first on her first weigh-in attempt, had to cut some more weight, come back in and weigh in a second time. So a Cavalcanti versus Farron, there's going to be about a comparable size between these two. And also, Zara Farron, who only has a 50% takedown defense and has not really shown the ability to, number one, absorb strikes. She gets hit and hurt on the feet a decent amount, as we saw in the Josie Ann Nunez fight. But also, she can't defend takedowns. So Jacqueline Cavalcanti, she's $9,400. So this is why, for Rainmaker's purposes, I think she's a good fighter to target. I think she should have wrestling and grappling success in this matchup. But in 9400 on a slate where... There's a few underdogs I like, but nothing I really love outside of really targeting Sergey Spivak pretty heavily. So I don't know I'm going to get up to the $9,400 on Cavalcanti all that much. At the very least, I'm certainly going to be underweight to the field on the 38.7% projected ownership that we have. That's the exact number right now in the ownership projections. So that breaks down all of the fights for the card. The one bet I have right now is Sergey Spivak to win plus money. I think this fight should be much, much closer line, if not Spivak being the favorite in the fight just because of his ability to wrestle and grapple, which has shown to be a weakness of Cyril Ghosn. But who knows? Maybe Cyril Ghosn will surprise me and show that he's improved his uh, wrestling and grappling. But considering how bad he looked in the wrestling and grappling against Francis Ngannou, and then we saw him take the fight against John Jones at a much later stage in his career where he had to have known that was what John Jones is going to do and still... He showed nothing on the ground there. So uh, that's my bet that I have right now is Sergey Spivak to win just outright on the money line. And also, if you guys want to get more MMA bets or any bets at all, in addition for myself, there's a link below to join Chalkboard, which is a totally free to download sports betting chat app. Let's build out a Rainmakers lineup to close it out here. Going to build an elite lineup. I don't have quite as many cards for this card, uh, as, as many cards for this fight card that I have for some previous ones. Uh, just kind of feel this is a little bit of a dicey card, but still I'm holding on to some. I want to play one side of the main event in all of my, all my lineups. So going to start this here with Sergey Spivak. I do have a Basharat elite as well. So I'll throw that in now, as far as some of the other fighters that I want to look at here, definitely want to throw Volkan Uzdemir into this lineup. Uzmir, no matter who wins between him and Guskov, it's going to be a big score. Love that fight. One of my favorite ones to target. Going to throw him in. Let's see. Reese McKee against Angelusa. This is another fight where, and by the way, Reese McKee cards are super cheap, like $3 for a rare card of his. I'll throw that in another fight where I think the winner should score fairly well. Now, here's where I'm kind of hamstrung a little bit. Because I don't, like I said, I don't have a ton of cards for this fight. The fighter I have the most of is Rose Nami Yunus. And it's not because I went out of my way to get her. It's just because, like I said, I have them dating back to last year from the Heat Wave set. So I want to throw a Rose Nami Yunus in here. Do I want to go to Jocelyn Edwards and hope she lands 10 million leg kicks, gets counted as uh, significant strikes? 
I also have a Lawren card, which I don't love him for this fight, but I'll plug in Joe. Yeah, I'll plug in Jocelyn Edwards, and we'll submit it. By the way, Rainmakers, starting up for football. They have totally free starters packs. If you guys want to build out a lineup for, uh, did I pass the location test? Yes, sir. If you guys want to build out lineups for Rainmakers, for NFL, starters pack. Also, there are still starters packs available for PGA. If you guys want to claim any of those, links below to head on over to DraftKings and claim your starters pack, which is 100% totally free. Chance to make some free money. Guys, thank you very much for watching this video. If you've not done it yet, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Good luck with this week's card. And next week, we've got a great pay-per-view. We've got main event, Israel Adesanya taking on Sean Strickland. So we'll be breaking that one down next week in full. So uh, see you guys then. Have a great week. And also have a great weekend. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.